This is The Shift Podcast. Thanks for checking out The Shift Weekend Podcast with John Jang. On this episode, we take a deep dive on who is Elon Musk. After all, he's hosting Saturday Night Live, but why? Who thought that would be a good idea? The host of Weird Science, Andrew Ferreira, joins us for a conversation about the Chinese space debris falling from the stars, and is this the beginning of concerning habits from the Chinese Space Agency? And finally, are you okay with things like not showering? What about free money if you're being very honest with yourself? Hey, do you like podcasts? Then why not subscribe to ours? Find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. Since we're going to be talking about space coming up in about a half an hour's time with Andrew Ferreira anyways, I guess this works as a really nice segue because now we're asking you about your thoughts on the one and only Elon Musk. Of course, the CEO founder of Tesla, the CEO founder of SpaceX, that space company now with $3 billion and a brand new contract in its back pocket to get humans back onto the moon. The Artemis Project with NASA. I mean, that is not insignificant stuff. But everything we know about Elon Musk has been riddled with, huh? And what? He seems like just the oddest man in the public spectrum. Ever. So the question to you, since we just, I guess, finding out now, or maybe you've known this for a little while, Elon Musk will be the guest host of Saturday Night Live this weekend. Does that intrigue you? Do you feel that's a good fit? Do you think this is a publicity stunt? Do you think any of this is going to actually maybe make more sense on the market than it would on your television? Getting a lot of feedback here in terms of what you all think about this. So we got this one from Rob saying, I'll be watching Elon Musk on SNL for sure. The SpaceX program that he has developed is a major advance for, for uh, space exploration. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and you know, we've, we talked about this with Andrew Ferreira a couple of weeks ago when it was announced that SpaceX was going to get this brand new contract worth $3 billion, is that this is a great move for human progress. Because whereas NASA has to deal with bureaucracy and has to deal with a federal budget, that is less than 1%, by the way, of the annual U.S. federal budget. SpaceX is a privately funded and privately operated company, which means they only need to answer to their board and to their CEO, which is Elon Musk. They have all this freedom and all this ability to do whatever it is that they want to do. They don't answer to anybody above their own board. So you're right. I think it's a positive thing that SpaceX is doing this. But at the same time, if we understand Elon Musk to be a pretty strange guy, are we just resigning ourselves to the fact that he's at least at some point in his life before he kicks it? He's going to name himself like King of Space. Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX, Tesla, and King of Space. Like that will be his business card. Guaranteed that's exactly what he's got in his mind. Uh, we got this one saying uh, it's a ratings move for SNL. I mean, does anybody still watch this show? It hasn't been relevant since the 1990s. Elon being somewhat on the conservative side of the spectrum uh, probably doesn't jive with the New York lefty bias. Some of the SNL cast were being offered space uh, safe spaces during the day of the broadcast. What planet is this? Now, Elon Musk, as we heard in that interview that Mike Smith had earlier, he has had some bold statements throughout this COVID-19 pandemic. 
I suppose they are willing to overlook some of those uh, more controversial tweets, if you even want to classify it that way, because they understand that Elon comes with a lot of mystery and a lot of intrigue. Although if you were listening to that conversation, that interview, apparently there is at least a small faction of people who actually believe Elon Musk has a solid sense of humor. Is a pretty funny guy. I do agree somewhat, though, that this could be a business move from SNL. I'll read you this. When it became announced that Elon Musk was going to do all this, and as of Friday morning, Tesla's share price, stock performance, raised, went up by 1.5%. Now, to be honest, Tesla's share and their prices had been doing pretty darn good over the past number of months. But it went up 1.5% on Friday. I will be very curious to see how the market reacts to, uh, to Elon Musk being on SNL come Monday. Because we'll have an entire weekend to sort of hum and haw and see exactly what this is going to do, considering, of course, he's still such a big active player on the private side of things. With his companies, with his corporations, there is major economic implications to all of this. Uh, Rob in Parkland, Alberta, texting in saying, I thought Elon Musk was a cologne. The Musk last name, definitely going to go down in history as one of the uh, more unique last names. You're not wrong about that. But no, not a cologne. Wouldn't be surprised, though, at some point if Elon Musk launched his own scent. The scent of Elon. The Musk of Musk. <laughs> Musk, Musk. The Musk of Musk, yeah. I think there's a good trademark and, and marketing potential there. Uh, Sizzling Stephen Northman saying, Elon Musk has the money to surround himself with some very brilliant minds, always thinking outside the box. He and his team will lead us down some very innovative roads into the future. You're not wrong. Again, I'm not disparaging the fact that Elon Musk is definitely a creative person. But his creativity does not bound his eccentric behaviors. Now, I think most of us, maybe not everyone, but most of us have at least seen the episode of the Joe Rogan podcast where Elon Musk was a guest. And on that podcast, there's actual video of Elon literally smoking a doobie and talking with Joe Rogan about all the things that Joe Rogan loves to talk about. There's always conspiracy theories. There's always political talk, current events, and all these things. It's become what the kids refer to as a meme. This photo of Elon Musk with a big frown on his face, holding like a Cubano cigar-sized joint. And, and that's who he is. Like, Could you imagine the CEO of another major company in an earlier time, like let's just say Bill Gates goes on Joe Rogan. That alone would be jaw-dropping. But then Bill Gates decides he's going to light one up in the middle of the interview. That doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. But it did. That's real life. It's, it's when you're too rich to care. <laughs> Honestly, Matt, I think that's got a lot to do with it. Because you know Elon Musk, for all of his genius, has managed to have so much success in the past, like, what, 10, 15 years, that at this point, who's going to say no to him? Like, no one has the authority over Elon Musk because he has all the money in the world to make things happen his way. I will add that when our texters and our listening, uh, listeners are, are chiming in saying, he's going to do great things, he's going to help humanity, yeah, you might be right about that. But in specific to his appearance on SNL, what is the idea behind all this? What is the reasoning behind all this? That is why I'm so curious. 
Maybe there is something to say about this being a publicity move on the part of SNL, because you're right. We know it has been documented. It is recorded that cable television, the numbers and the viewership ratings continue to drop every single month. If you need proof, look at the fact that all of the major uh, award shows, whether it's the Grammys, the Academy Awards, you name it, the Golden Globes, they have seen historically low viewership ratings over the past year. No one can explain why, except for the fact that less and less consumers are actually using cable television. Most have made the jump to online streaming services. And also because what used to entertain us, what used to work for us on television may not be doing the same effect anymore. I'm not an expert on any of that. All I know is that the numbers are out there testifying to these points. Cat and Gimli, 877-399-9898, saying, no, 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 you and I would be called crazy, but folks with that kind of money are called eccentric. And really, I'm right off my stick, but I only ever met the crazy and broke type, damn it. And Cat, I love it. I love that <laughs> honest, refreshing truth because you are right, 100%. Like, if Elon Musk didn't have a dime to his name, would we give him? any time of our days probably not he would be another one of those strange men just yelling into the clouds but because he has this money he's got this influence he's got this mystique i suppose is the way you want to call it we think it's so fascinating now in terms of strange snl hosts maddie i got to give you credit because you found this great uh, article it's up on exclaim.ca detailing some of snl's more curious host selections take us through this list if you can because there's a lot of interesting names on this yeah and i think this whole idea of a, a figure like like elon musk it's it's just like a it's like a name thing obviously the guy is not a comedy genius or even maybe even that charismatic i mean he is you know all over the place and stuff but mm -hmm. you know live television hosting a show it's a different ball game that being said in the you know in the long history of Saturday Night Live, there's been some some very you know different ones. Um, I, I, right. I, I really liked when Charles Barkley hosted and uh, Nirvana was the was the musical guest. But uh, that is a that is a yin yang mix right there. Yeah, and you, I mean Wayne Gretzky's been on the show. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Okay, the thing about Wayne Gretzky is that he's an excellent hockey player, right? Obviously, we know that he's the great one. But he is not exactly my idea of a go-to SNL host because, like, hockey players in general just don't have a ton of personality. So I, I, did, I never got to see that episode. Maybe I'll have to go back into the archives because I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, and I mean, and that's sort of the example of let's just get a famous person, right, rather right. than somebody you know, like a like an. I guess I mean they usually get actors, music, you know, celebrities, blah blah blah. So it, it all works out. I mean, it's all kind of. It's all kind of up in the air anyway. But let's see. I mean, who else was there? There was Steve Forbes, the editor-in-chief of Forbes magazine. Oh, interesting. He okay. was on there. So that's kind of like in the same ballpark as Musk here. Um, musical guest, Rage Against the Machine for that one. <laughs> Again, a quite yin-yang, right? We're talking about <laughs> Forbes magazine being so corporate. And then you've got Rage Against the Machine as the musical guest. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, George Steinbrenner was on there. Uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, <laughs> I, I remember watching the Rudy Giuliani episode. It was it was 1997. I remember not mm. laughing back then. Um, Fair enough. 
Yeah, Donald Trump hosted two times. So, like, you know, they'll just they'll, sometimes they just bring anybody on. It maybe it's a ratings thing. Even even the cast members of Saturday Night Live were, uh, you know, didn't want to be uh, quotes forced to appear in sketches with Elon Musk. So there was obviously some uh, some dissent and some uh, differing opinions with the uh, with the writers and the cast there. For sure. I mean, as it was sort of explained, like Elon Musk's, his political views can be absolutely a little against the norm. And I do think there is some truth, as we saw that text come in earlier, saying that uh, New York may be more of a left-leaning city, more of a left-leaning state specifically. Uh, maybe some of those actors and stars of SNL, the regular cast members, just don't vibe with Elon Musk. Now, because SNL cast members are celebrities themselves, they might have more inside information that you and I just don't know about Elon Musk, right? I mean, they might have some friends in the same circles or at least have been in the presence of one another in the past and just came to the conclusion, this guy is just not for me for whatever reason. Brilliant business guy, you know, a great innovator, but not the kind of human being that I want to spend any of my time with. Yeah. Oh, oh, um, what they should do instead of having Elon Musk, they should bring back. So I think they Saturday Night Live only did this once, but apparently uh, in the in the late seventies they held an anyone can host competition. Wow! So so folks like you, me, Trucker Dan, um, Ron <laughs> from Burnaby, Kat, you know, Cat and Gimli, Catherine yeah. and Surrey, you know, anybody could host. So uh, you know they should bring that that one up. And so there's this. Uh, 80-year-old grandma who won that competition. So a random senior citizen can wow. host uh, Saturday Night Live. She actually applied, and quoting here, I'm 80 years old. I need, one more, <laughs> I need one more cheap thrill since my doctor told me I only have another 25 years left. <laughs> I mean, clearly based on a quote like that, she's got a pretty solid sense of humor. I love that. Uh, I mean, look, they would never do that now. It just would not work. There's too many people... Too many people probably going off script. I just don't think they're ever going to do something like that. But if we had to – like, Matt, if we had to choose one person out of all of our wonderful shift heads, who would be the best to host SNL? If you're listening, you can let us know. Vote and try not to vote for yourself, <laughs> although there's no official rules here. 877-399-9898, who you'd like to see one of our shift heads hosting SNL. You know who, you know who my vote would be? Mm. Uh, D Dallas in uh, Winnipeg. Dallas in the WPG. I think he'd be an excellent Dallas host. in Winnipeg. Yeah, he would be his own musical guest with some of his freestyle rapping abilities. Uh, but certainly many more. You know, there's Catherine and Surrey, Cat and Gimli. Uh, there's so tr all the truckers that we got on the show. Now we're trying to figure out which of our regular shift heads would be the best fit to host an episode of SNL. 877-399-9898. Taking your votes. Exercise your democratic right. Uh, we got this one from Jeff really quickly saying, uh, I do think with Elon Musk making an appearance on SNL, it's a great publicity move for both parties. I haven't watched an episode in years. Definitely intrigued about this Saturday's episode. Okay, with that in mind, who of our listeners would be the best fit? Trucker Kevin saying, I would vote Dallas in Winnipeg or Kathy from Surrey. I think he means Catherine from Surrey, but I'll take that. Catherine and Surrey responding, saying, Johnny, that loves 7-Eleven food. 
Okay. Trucker Dan saying, having me host SNL would definitely be the end of the show. I'd find it hilarious, but they would probably be prison terms afterwards. <laughs> if I can have two votes, I would vote for Catherine and Surrey or Nighthawk Steve. You can never be entirely sure where they're going to go when they chime in. Uh, we got this one from Derek saying, I'd vote for Trucker Dan. Cat and Gimli saying, my vote goes to Trucker Dan. Intelligence plus humor equals charisma. Okay. So we are definitely getting some solid votes in here. And Matt, you mentioned one gentleman in particular we saw it earlier in the text message inbox just a moment ago from trucker kevin dallas in winnipeg and by chance dallas is now on the phone line with us dallas welcome to the shift live from winnipeg manitoba it's saturday night live yeah. <laughs> dallas if you could turn your radio down just a moment not too bad i got yeah, boy, Slim Jimly here with me. He's my uh, my little sidekick. He's been sitting on my left shoulder for about probably, well, 49 years, but I just ran into him about uh, maybe two years ago. And, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, yeah, Elong. Oh, man, that guy took the Elong way home, I tell you. <laughs> Hang, hanging out there, going on a little getaway, getting back. I told you, man, I, I had... Uh, I talk about you know you know what jet lag is, man. I have I had like rocket sh- ship uh, leg. I tell you, man, that that took a couple walls to get over that. Dallas, uh, Dallas, <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> you as always. Uh, that is the one and only live from yeah. Winnipeg. It's Saturday Night Live with Dallas. Appreciate you voting. This is the Shift Podcast. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's Weird Science. Always a fun chat when we get to connect with our good friend Andrew Ferreira. And Andrew, before we get into some deep, meaningful discussions about how the sky is falling. Is meaningful. Yeah. Oh, absolutely meaningful. Yes. Uh, First, number one. Friday was International Space Day, so uh, happy International Space Day to you. It's a little belated, but I hope you understand. It is midnight. And I number do. two, the That's reason fine. the reason why it's midnight is because you were on a completely high important VIP mission that I want it's you true. to explain right now. Yeah, yeah. So you know, with the lockdowns and everything, uh, I haven't really been outside since the year nineteen thirty four. Um, oh wow. Yeah, so uh, I went outside today and I drove about an hour to the nearest combination Taco Bell KFC uh, oh. to, right, to get me a Crunchwrap Supreme, get my friend a Crunchwrap Supreme, uh, get me one of those brand new cheesy burritos that's just sin and they put cheese on the outside and I felt like a gross, horrible <laughs> sewer man after eating it, but in the best way. And then we met right. up at a park nearby and uh, sat quietly and ate and just stared. Just like in... Total silence, just the sound of crunch. Almost entirely being yes. crunched. Yeah, <laughs> almost entirely total silence. Oh, uh, I kind love of that. Hangout you know that, I, uh, that I live for. People might not realize this, but like when you think McDonald's is like the number one fast food company in North America, while that might be true, number two, at least in the United States, based on my last understanding, is actually Taco Bell. People love Taco Bell in the states. It's, it's Taco Bell. A little is, surprising. Yeah, Taco Bell is space god, uh, hyper Buddha's gift to mankind. There you go. There you go. I love that. Well, congratulations on a mission success with your uh, Crunchwrap Supreme initiative. Uh, A little disappointed that we're all still doing this work from home thing, so I can't get treated to a Crunchwrap Supreme, but that can wait. That can wait. Hey, it's only an hour drive. 
Yeah, I, that's fair enough. But who knows? Like maybe, maybe I won't have a reason to get a Crunchwrap Supreme anymore because maybe the sky is falling and uh, the, the need for eating just won't be a concern for me anymore because I'll get crunched by a 23-ton debris from Chinese rockets. So <laughs> explain yeah. to us what everyone is talking about right now and what is going on. Uh, so first of all, don't be worried. Just get that out of the way. Don't be worried. Okay. Right. This is this is something that you should not worry about. Uh, the odds of a piece of debris directly impacting you in any way, shape, or form are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly low. Not zero, of mm. course, um, <laughs> but incredibly, incredibly low. Like, what I did today in my one-hour drive back and forth to the combination Cassie-Taco Bell, I probably had a higher chance of dying in a car crash on the way they were coming back than any one of us has of sustaining any, uh, you know, having any direct impact from this falling piece of debris. That okay. being said, it sure is interesting. Um, and that's why, you know, folks around the world have been yakking about it for the past hour. Um, so basically what's happening is uh, the Chinese Space Agency last week um, launched the first part of uh, its brand new uh, space station uh, called the Tianhe, which means, uh, I believe it means Heavenly Harmony or something like that. It's a cool name. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and China's rocket, the Long March, um, is a really cool rocket because it's the only rocket currently that works uh, that doesn't ditch any part of it on the way up. If you look at the SpaceX rockets, they it kind of it drops off that bottom half and rockets into orbit. If you look at United Launch Alliances, like Delta rockets, they all have boosters that fall off. Um, even look at the Space Shuttle. It dropped all those solid rocket boosters. Um, right. But the long march, the entire thing goes to orbit. It's a single stage uh, humdinger of a, of a candle. Um, so part of this, you know, while that's really, really cool um, and I think awesome, uh, a bad part of it is China's like, well, we don't have control over it once it delivers its payload. Um, oh, dear. And this isn't um, a new development. There wasn't a mistake. Um, this has happened before. Um, China's Long March series of rockets is, uh, you could almost say, infamous for essentially mm. being uncontrolled pieces of multi-ton space debris once they're done their jobs. Um, you may remember, I want to say about a year ago, maybe two, maybe not, time has lost all meaning for me. In the sure. recent-ish past, um, another Long March rocket broke up on re-entry um, and, and got dangerously close to actually causing damage. Uh, a piece of, of debris actually fell um, right in smack of the middle of a village in Cote d'Ivoire in Africa. Um, so the this isn't new, um, but now that kind of there's been this brand new, you know, with SpaceX successful uh, test of their SN15 prototype the other day, um, and SpaceX in general has kind of single-handedly hauled interest of space back into the public realm, um, people pay, are paying more attention to this. Uh, and right. because this is such a high-profile mission, um, there's been a lot of people watching the possible re-entry paths of uh, this you know, chunk of 20-plus ton debris um, re-entering. And so as time ticks down, it's moving ludicrously fast, like thousands of kilometers an hour right now. So it's mm. essentially impossible to nail down um, where it'll land with any accuracy right now. Because 
if our calculations are off by like you know a smidge scientifical unit a scientifical unit <laughs> um if we're off by a smidge you know let's say let's say our timing is off by five minutes an object right. moving thousands of kilometers an hour is going to go a long way in five minutes um so it's extremely inaccurate right now but as we tick closer and as we tick closer uh, a re-entry window has been kind of narrowed down to sometime, uh, now that it's May 8th across the country, uh, sometime mm-hmm. in the next 10 to 18 hours. Okay, um, so by the time we all wake up again, we might have an, an understanding of where and when this will actually impact the Earth. Uh, that's correct. Um, and so there have been some preliminary uh, tracks over in its next several orbits we can now say with relative certainty that it'll come down probably within its next six or seven orbits. Um, And so that kind of gives us an idea of where it may come down. Uh, Luckily for, um, you know, for us in Canada uh, right now, as it stands right now, none of the tracks take it over Canadian airspace. Okay. Um, uh, which is, you know, good. But th- again, this is all subject to change. This thing is moving ludicrously fast and we just have no way. It's uncontrolled. Uh, like SpaceX's rockets, when they come back to Earth, they've got little nitrogen jets that puff gas so it can control its landing. Uh, this thing is just a spinning hunk of mass. That Well, on, uh, that, one- on that, Andrew, like w- why is this so, I guess, habitual? Like you, you explained this almost uh, created a devastating impact with Cote d'Ivoire a number of years ago. Is the Chinese space agency just not caring about the possibility that this could actually hurt people? Or is this a greater statement about the fact that the Chinese space agency may just be limited with their technology or with their finances? It, in my opinion, it's probably a mix of all of the, all of the above and more. Um, mm. Relanding rockets is crazy difficult. Um, the only reason SpaceX is so good at it is because they've failed a lot. Um, and with regards to China's budget, uh, the Chinese Space Agency, I can almost guarantee, and of course, there are no solid figures because the Chinese government likes to hide these things. Uh, sure. But I can guarantee they get an incredible amount of money from the Chinese central government um, because this is becoming kind of what the space race was before uh, and during you know the height of the Cold War. Uh, except this time now it's China versus uh, India versus um, private, you know, private companies in the United States is kind of this new race. Uh, and this race is to really retake the moon, if you will. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind that there is tons of money and expertise uh, being flooded into the Chinese space agency. Um, part of, I believe, the reason for this is, yes, engineering, they might not, they just might not have the know-how yet. Um, Another thing is the Chinese government is famously intolerant of failure. Um, Mm. They do not like failure. They would much rather kind of cut corners from what I've seen and get a more high percent chance of success on the mission than try to complete a more complex mission, but risk having any part of it fail. Um, So I believe in some people's eyes, this is a gamble worth taking. Um, that's honestly what I think. And I have no way, you know, this is just my supposition, but I honestly sure. think that is the train of thought. This, you know, the odds of this impacting somebody directly, like I said, are incredibly, incredibly small. Um, and I think... I, w- w- sorry, one thing I wanted to bring up, too, was the fact that some people are concerned that this particular object could hit other satellites that are currently in the sky. But that's that's not the case. If, if I've done my math, and I don't do very good math... Um, 
this object is already at a lower altitude than what satellites are currently uh, orbiting the Earth at. Yeah, it's as far as I know, its latest confirmed orbit was about uh, 140, I think, kilometers up, which is below everything that, you know, it's Fair. essentially 140 kilometers up is essentially the atmosphere, uh, the very, uh, you know, top of the atmosphere. Um, so it that's not the danger, but it is reckless, irresponsible, and quite frankly, um, repugnant for a space program to just be okay with this um, and to greenlight something like this. And whether this is just a matter of national pride, which the space program in China, in India, in the US, it absolutely is. It's a matter of pride. Um mm -hmm or whether it's a matter of lack of engineering know-how, or whether it's a matter of simply not caring. Um, the, the bigger problem for me is the precedent that this is beginning to set. Um, because part of humanity's kind of move into space is tamping down on waste, is tamping down on risk. Uh, and this feels like a, a giant step backward and a middle finger to all of the companies and agencies around the world that are working actively right. to prevent things like this from happening. Well, because there's so much space junk floating that people actually don't even know about, right? Yeah, there's thousands and thousands of pieces of space junk in orbit. Um and we're going to have to clean that up eventually. And it's certainly not going to get easier with, you know, your Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos's of the world launching, mm -hmm. you know, satellite constellation after satellite constellation um, into orbit. You know, SpaceX, it feels like every other week is launching 60 new satellites into orbit. 60. Right. Um, you know, by the time the 2030s roll around, we'll have, you know, essentially take the number of satellites we had in 2010 and increased it tenfold uh, orbiting the Earth. Um, wow. So the, 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 the matter of space junk is one entirely different problem to this, in my opinion. I think this is a, a, a failure in terms of safety and regard for humanity as a whole, um, because God forbid this does impact, you know, a populated area, right? Uh, it yeah. could be incredibly dangerous. Again, odds are it will not. Um, the Earth's surface is two-thirds water, and of the land, a whole whack load of it is completely uninhabited. So we're hoping that it goes down, you know, in the ocean. And for other spacecraft and things uh, that have had to jettison their, um, you know, their rockets, their boosters, et cetera, et cetera, um, generally, there has been a sense of responsibility and countries have been really good at orbiting rockets and boosters so that when they re-enter, it is over the ocean. Um, right. If you think back to, and, you know, this... If you reach back a bit, the the two biggest uncontrolled, quote unquote, reentries uh, that humanity has ever seen were Skylab's reentry and the Soviet Salyut Seven. Uh, but both of those actually had attitude control, which means they could kind of rotate a little bit, and they used mm. that to adjust drag. Right. So even those quote unquote uncontrolled reentries were slightly controlled. But this is just a it's the hunk it's just a hunk that's flying through the atmosphere thousands of kilometers an hour um it has no way of doing it and you can bet you know your top and bottom dollar that the chinese authorities are going to be watching this along with the rest of the world and kind of crossing their fingers and hoping nothing happens and one thing that i just kind of spotted here as we get closer we're able to start seeing uh potential tracks uh one very interesting uh track uh that is potential here um takes the the booster incredibly close to beijing um, oh wow so it would it, it could possibly land in china's own backyard 
Yep, that's a possible. That's a distinct possibility. Um, wow. But here's the kicker: after Beijing, the track continues and crosses into North Korean airspace. Oh, oh dear! Almost directly over Pyongyang. Wow. So that's just one potential track, and you know, maybe if it is that track, it could fall anywhere on that you know thousands of kilometers long line. You know, the odds of it falling in either of those places, God forbid, incredibly, incredibly low. Um, so again, this is something that, you know, we here in Canada, I would say, just, you know, just go to bed. It's fine. We'll probably Fair wake enough. up tomorrow and throughout the day, we'll have an idea if it hasn't, you know, if 12 hours from now, if it hasn't hit the ground, it'll be about to, um, pending some kind of, you know, uh, rapid change in its trajectory. Um, I mean, but, it, it's, it's something interesting to at least keep an eye on for the weekend, right? Like as you get up and you're preparing lunch or breakfast or whatever it's going to be, uh, you, you might, you know, just want to turn on the news just to see like, okay, where is this thing actually going to land? Because right now, based on what you're telling me, there's no real concrete um, data plan that says like, yeah, it's going to be going here or going there. For now, it's just projections until we get a little bit closer to that inevitable, uh, I guess, ground zero moment. Yeah, we'll we'll have an, we'll have a good idea in a couple hours beforehand, I think. But until then, it's just a series of lines on a map, and all the lines essentially say it can land almost anywhere. So mm. you know, just you know, if you're, I'll just quickly go over some of the potential hot spots. And here's the scariest one to start off with: the Eastern U.S. Um, two Oof, potential nope. tracks take it over New York State and New Jersey. Uh, one goes over Florida. Um, there's a line through Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia, and northern Southern America. Uh, a few lines crisscrossing the African continent through the Sahara, luckily. Um, mm. So not a whole lot of population centers there. Uh, one line goes through uh, India and one goes through Bangladesh. There's a lot of densely populated areas around there to watch out for. And three lines or three projected pads take it through uh, mainland China. Um, so as it stands right now, here in Canada, we're okay. But it's definitely something to watch out for over the next you know, 10 to 16 hours. Fair enough. Okay, well, we appreciate the update on that. Uh, what other space weird news is perking you up right now? Uh, so, and, you know, the news stole my thunder, shakes fist. Um, <laughs> but uh, NASA's Perseverance mission is doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, every single day, I, you know, I go to the cesspool that is Twitter.com. Um, I have a brief reprieve from the cesspool of Twitter.com by seeing the absolutely bonkers stuff uh, that Perseverance is doing along with its cute little helicopter. Um, and so this is what happened today, if you want to hit the audio, Maddie. Whoa. Space. But then, you see how it changes to that hum? Yeah. That hum is a helicopter rotor on the surface of Mars. Oh, that's lovely. And Whoa. it's 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 flying. It's it's doing its thing. Um, and that at the very beginning, that's wind. That's a wind on Mars. So you know, you just wow. listen to wind on Mars. Yeah, that's wind on Mars. Congratulations! Isn't that crazy I that love we can that. do that? I mean, exactly. Like it's 2021, and there haven't been a lot of great things to get excited about over the past number of months. But this is actually super cool. Like if you had told five-year-old John who didn't really speak a lot of English, but if you could just at least translate to him, like at one point in your life, you're going to hear what wind is like on Mars. He'd be like, who are you? But also kind of impressed. Yeah. Um, and to quote uh, David Mimoun, a professor of planetary science at um, <clears throat> French accent time, Institut Supérieur de l'Aéronautique et de l'Espèce, in France. Um, well done. To quote this very 
excellent scientist scientist speak when presented with this incredible audio and the idea this is what he said this is a very good surprise <laughs> which is the most sciencey thing you could ever say about this um in tests the, the microphone that picked this up um they didn't think they would actually be able to ca to capture this audio um, right but it did and for the sound nerd folks here i'll go over this because i found this really interesting so this audio obviously isn't to direct what we would hear uh because if we were on mars we would die um this audio however was recorded in mono that's the first thing uh, so it's only coming in one channel, right, right ear mm -hmm. or left ear. So what they did then was they isolated the blade of the helicopter sound, which they found at 84 hertz. Uh, they took every frequency below 80 hertz and just killed it. Um, and above 90 hertz, they just killed it. And what hmm. they did with that little slice of data in between 80 and 90 hertz was boost the crap out of it. Um, right. And that's how they got that sound. So of course, it doesn't actually sound like that at all. Um, there's barely any air. <laughs> really in the Martian atmosphere. Um, so sound doesn't really propagate that well, but we're able to pick it up. Um, and the wealth of engineering data, because it's not often that engineers have a chance to hear what a motor sounds like on another world. Um, the mm. engineering data just alone from that is going to be a, a treasure trove of information uh, for engineers here on Earth. And, you know, Love it's it. just cool that there's the helicopter doing that all on its own. It, like, What? anyway absolutely and that's and how if i I'm feel not mistaken, that. if i'm not mistaken andrew like this ingenuity drone it doesn't have a lot of flight attempts left in its life cycle like at some point it's going to become uh, unfortunately redundant because it was never designed for extensive usage they just wanted to see will it work and it has worked but pretty soon we're going to be celebrating its final mission if i'm not mistaken uh, eventually yeah but so far it's actually exceeded you know expectations across the board uh, as to what it's able to accomplish. Um, its mission has already been extended, as NASA missions tend to do when they succeed. Um, oh, love it. Okay. It's now going to be used as a uh, essentially a remote sensor for perseverance. So it'll fly uh, around areas of interest is, is the plan to, you know, send some photographs and get some basic data. And as long as the helicopter can send data to Curiosity, uh, to not Curiosity, Curiosity is doing its own thing. Uh, as right. long as it can send data to Perseverance, um, it'll do so. So we now have, you know, this is no longer really a complete test. This is now a functioning part of the mission for as long as, as scientists have it. Um, and it, this really does, you know, set a path towards truly helping us explore other worlds. Um, and I'll save that you know, seven hour lecture for another time. But it's it's super exciting that this can happen. And just a few hours ago, actually, we have a confirmed success for its fifth flight. Uh, the first oh, time it, it made a one-way trip. So it didn't land at its original landing pad. Um, it landed successfully at a completely different location. And they're going to prep it for flight six at some point in the near future. Love it. Okay, so we keep our fingers crossed for a little bit more ingenuity, which uh, is not just a play on words. That is the name of the little drone that flies there with Perseverance. Andrew, appreciate you giving us some time as always, sir. Next time we meet, let's enjoy a Crunchwrap Supreme together. Oh, man, I wish. Let's make it happen. Uh, one day. One day. All right, one that is day. Andrew Ferreira, host of Weird Science. Appreciate you, and uh, we can wake up knowing the sky will not be technically falling on us. Thank you, sir. Yeah. It's the Shift Podcast. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Maddie, because it's time for Are You Okay? 
Love this guitar strum. It's just the best. Uh, Roberto, are you okay with showers? Yeah, I'm all for anything that uh, keeps you clean nowadays because, I mean, you know, just got to keep clean, right? Um, yeah, I mean, showers are essential. I've definitely had my times where I've gone without them for quite a while. And yeah, you eventually get, you know, your own musk, <laughs> so to oh, speak. Oh, yeah. Elon Musk. Your, yeah. your own musk by musk in, into your, <laughs> in, into your, into your nose trills. And it just, uh, yeah, you, you just, you have to, you have to clean yourself, man. You got to do it. You got to do it. If not for yourself, then for the people around you. But maybe there are some people out there that don't like showers, but instead really prefer baths. Or maybe they just like wiping themselves down with some of those hand sanitizers. I don't really know. It could be existing out there. I, I haven't gone the entire world. I do enjoy showering, of course, especially after a long weekend like camping, right? When you got all of Mother Nature just kind of greased up all over your skin. But are you okay with showers? Turns out, maybe not everyone is so enthused. Take a listen. Uh, some more environmental news uh, that some people might find as off-putting as eating insects. Yeah, not showering has become a thing in this COVID world. At least that's according to the New York Times. It explains that many Americans uh, have been taking fewer showers, not only because it saves water, but mostly because they haven't been seeing as many people. Now, this habit switch has been happening in the UK as well, where a poll showed that nearly tw there's been a 20% drop in the baths and showers that people take. And many people say actually that their skin and their hair are doing all the better for it um, and that they plan to keep it up. Now, of course, there is an ick factor here, a potential ick factor. This potential hitch, of course, is body odor. Yeah, the pandemic. Yes. Uh, not great for deodorant companies. Yeah. Great for your skin, possibly. <laughs> there you go. Lars Mujan with a look for the days at Top Stories. Thank you. <laughs> that is disconcerting, right? So apparently there is a large number of people deciding, well, because I'm not going outside and because I'm not really seeing anyone on a day-to-day -day basis, I can just skip having a shower. I don't know. Like I have a shower every day still. And I know many of these days I'm not actually seeing anyone. I just do it because it's my usual routine. I feel more awake after I've taken a shower. I guess if you're deciding like, how can I lower my monthly expenses like my bills, uh, not taking a shower, not using hot water. I guess that's one way to do it, Maddie, but there's got to be a line, right? Like you got to have a shower. Oh yeah, man. Like April, uh, April showers bring May flowers as they say. Well, yeah, Catherine and Surrey uh, texting that one in right there. But what if you don't do May showers, then what's next? I don't actually want to figure it out, but it is apparently real. You can find that article for yourself at NewYorkTimes.com. Let's bring this back. Are you okay? I think this one's almost self-explanatory, but we'll, we'll see here. Are you okay with free money? <laughs> I'm okay with uh, pretty much any money. <laughs> I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with uh, yeah, Money City Maniacs, with Eddie Money. Um, ah. I, I'm okay with, yeah, I'm definitely okay with money. It's, it's nice to have when you have it. Um, you know, you can always dream of it when you don't have it. Um, right. you can't take it with you when you go into the next world, but you know, it's, it's good to have <laughs> while you're on this one.
Yeah, if you're Elon Musk, you might have a little bit too much of it, but I guess no one could actually ever say they have too much money. With that in mind, are you okay with free money? I mean, most of us probably answer this easily and say, well, yeah, who doesn't want free money? But the point is, apparently, a lot of people have a problem with free money. Take a listen. I'll explain after. Man, you want a dollar? No. Five dollar? No. You want five dollars? Nope. No. Gator okay, dude, you want five bucks? Oh, I'm good. Sir, would you like twenty dollars? I'm sorry. You want a hundred dollars? I'm good. No? You guys want a hundred dollars? No? I guess I just have to try and give away more money? I don't know. You guys want a thousand dollars? No. You guys want a thousand dollars? No? I am extremely confident that I could offer someone a million dollars and they'd say no. You want a million dollars? <laughs> no? You dudes want a million dollars? No, no, I'm good. You're good? So the entire context of this particular clip is that there is now a video on TikTok that is going viral because this individual is recording himself, I guess, walking along Venice Beach in California and literally just like going up to people and saying, hey, do you want $5? Do you want $10? Do you want $20? Do you want $50? And what was astounding about this video is that not a single person said yes. Everyone was saying no. Everyone was flat out refusing it. And I'm wondering why that is. Because is this like a, a societal thing, a, a culture thing? Is this a behavioral thing? Where, Matt, if you could imagine yourself just walking along, let's say, White Rock, right? You're on the strip. You're enjoying White Rock. It's a nice sunny day. And a guy comes up to you and says, hey, buddy, do you want five bucks? Would you would you easily instantly say yes, as you did with me just a minute ago? Or would you be like, uh, who is this weird guy? I mean, five bucks is five bucks, but you'd have to you'd have to sort of like figure out. Well, what do I have to do for this five bucks? Is it is it going to be worth it? Am I gonna like be able to sleep at night without crying myself to sleep? Like, what am I gonna have to do for the five bucks? You know, that that's where, fair enough. That's immediately where I where I go with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I get it a little bit. It's just it it was a little surprising to me that nobody was just like, uh, sure. Like even just like tentatively just being like, yeah, maybe as in what's the condition in which I need to earn this five or 10 or $50 or however much it's going to be. It's just wild that everyone just flat out says no, because look, I'm the kind of guy that says, well, what's in it? Like, what's the catch? Because yeah, I want the money, but if it's going to be something outrageous i'm just gonna walk away from the money but at least let me know how i could obtain this money those that just immediately say no i don't know maybe they just have a lot of money and they're not worried about getting more money regardless it's a social experiment if you will and maybe something worth thinking about like why would all these people just instantly refuse it if it means so much to us and if you're willing to say yeah i love free money apparently not as much as you think you do. All right, let's go with uh, another one here. Are you okay? Are you okay with Conan O'Brien? Oh, yeah, good Canadian kid. Uh, you know, f <laughs> funny dude, really, really tall. Uh, you know, ginger, plays guitar. Um, yeah, man, Conan O'Brien, why not? You know, we... Uh, yeah, definitely a good guy. Good Canadian kid. Now, I don't know if Conan is technically Canadian, but we can make him an honorary Canadian uh, in terms of being tall, redheaded, uh, good-looking, talented at music. Uh, we have one of those already at the station called Maddie MacArthur. 
Uh, I would love to see Matt have his own like one hour comedy show with that in mind. But are you okay with Conan O'Brien? You know, when I think of late night television, Matt, I can't imagine Conan not being a part of it, right? Why did I think he was Canadian? I don't know. He is definitely an American dude through and through. Um, Maybe we want him to be Canadian because he's actually that cool. Oh, why did I? Why did I think that? Well, anyway, that all still stands. I like Conan O'Brien. We all like Conan O'Brien, but Conan is going away. Kind of. Take a listen. I did want to talk about something um, important here uh, at the very top of the show. As uh, some of you have heard, it's been out there for a while now, but we're making it official. Uh, We are winding down our TBS show. Uh, The plan is to reemerge on HBO Max sometime in the near future with, uh, I think, what will be my fourth iteration of a program. Uh, Imagine a cooking show with puppets and you'll have the wrong idea. Anyway, uh, we're going to be making this switch. Now, some of you are probably wondering why am I doing this? Why uh, end things here at TBS? And I'll tell you, because a very old Buddhist monk once told me that to pick something up, you must first put something down. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. He was drunk out of his skull and very belligerent. And I maintain you can pick up two things if you use both hands. He just got mad and started swinging at me. So I ended the conversation (laughs) and took his advice. Uh, We'll be moving on. Our last episode here at TBS will be on June 24th. Now, the plan is we're going to be showing a lot of clips of our favorite moments from the last 11 years. We're going to have some special guests. We're going to create, I think, a really fun, uh, special environment. And uh, it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. And, you know, I just want to point out that for 11 years, the people at Turner have been absolutely lovely to me and everyone here at the staff. Uh, They gave me a home when I needed one most, and I am eternally grateful. I'm very proud of what we've accomplished here. And so what I'd like is I'd like these last couple of weeks to be a fond look back at all the absurd madness that uh, my team and I have concocted. Uh, Best of all, I just want to point out there will be shockingly few, if any, references to Donald Trump, because that's always been my favorite kind of comedy. So uh, tune in these next uh, two months and uh, check out as we say farewell to the show and move on uh, to the next horizon. There you go. Conan O'Brien officially announcing his uh, television run is coming to an end pretty soon. That doesn't mean he's completely gone. He's making the jump, if you will, to online streaming with HBO Max, which isn't technically offered here in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how that option will be relayed to us Canadians. But many more, I guess, uh, stars and producers, content creators making the jump to streaming services. For those wondering... It's not the first time a big name Canadian, Canadian, big name comedian has made the move to online streaming. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, of course, started this a number of years ago with comedians and cars getting coffee, and it's worked out big time for him. So yeah. uh, obviously, I'm going to miss Conan on TV, Matt, but it's not like he's going away forever. No, for sure. You know, Jerry Seinfeld, another you know famous com- comedian who's not a Canadian. <laughs> I wasn't going to tease you about that, but I think that's why I made that little mental stumble there. Canadian, comedian. Uh, it's okay. We'll take them all. Jerry, also honorary Canadian. 
Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.